This is Juan, and I'm, tonight I'm joined by my co-host Josh. Hi, Josh. Hey. So tonight we're doing things a bit differently. It's Saturday, January 30th, and we all woke up to the very tragic and just awful news of Sophie's passing. And as you all know, Haluka Singles is, like, she's one of our main like idols we love everything she's done everything she's done for the music industry and for the pop landscape so tonight yeah. we're celebrating her and her legacy and hopefully um, commemorating everything she's done and cheering the listener up a bit while also delving through her and her work so we'll play a few of her songs yeah we've never played songs all the way through but we figured it was as good a time as any, especially because none of us can go out, mm-hmm. none of us can go to clubs to hear like any of her songs really. Um, they all would have gone off, I think, tonight. Oh, absolutely. Even the slowest ones, even the ballads, if you can call Sophie songs ballads. <laughs> but yeah, instead of that, we're doing this. So we're all going to be listening together, and we hope you like it (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think we should start with probably the most appropriate song of all for how we're feeling which is It's Okay to Cry yeah it was her introduction to us really so let's listen to it Hide it's okay to cross, okay to cross 
sentimental song one of her like most emotional ballady yeah. type songs um but yeah right before we played it you were mentioning how this was sort of like a reintroduction for sophie mm-hmm. because she had been prior to this song this very elusive producer she didn't have an album she had a product which i guess counts as an album ep but mm-hmm. mostly she was really out of the spotlight. Um, and then with this song, with this music video, just she has her like in a beautiful, I guess, green screen sort of heaven type background. She like shows her identity and also I think officially comes out as a trans woman. Yeah. So it was a huge moment in her career. And like, what a beautiful song to have as a huge moment in her career. And worth noting that years after... Louis Vuitton decided to use the song for the runway show. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's kind of timeless. But also, jokes on them for thinking the clothes could stand alongside that song right? and win yeah. the attention battle. <laughs> and it's funny too, because that runway is like with her in the background, right? Like the music video. I've seen footage of it, yeah. Yeah. It really... So huge. Yeah. She's so huge in it. It's like, how could you? No one's going to pay attention to the clothes. how was your day today because for me at least sophie kind of dominated Mm -hmm. my mood i did end up going for a walk but that's good i was seeing people saying that they were like staring at the wall all day like yeah yeah it was a shocking baffling way to wake up like i've never been so confused moments after waking up i think i can't i can't open my phone as soon as I wake up anymore. Yeah, I know. It's like you're traumatized now. Yeah, how how was your day? I went to bed super late last night, I think like 4 a.m. So I was on Twitter late and people were whispering right. about it. Um, and I took a screenshot because at the time I thought it was trolls because I feel like they did, they had recently done like a death hoax with someone else. So people at like 4 a.m. were saying, oh, because I think a friend of Sophie had posted an Instagram story. So they had been like people seeing rumors that she had passed away. I like, okay, I was like, okay, whatever, I'm gonna go to bed. 
And then I woke up to actually a text from Sierra that said, rip. She didn't even say rip who, she just said rip. And I was like, fuck. And then I checked Twitter and I woke up so late that it was already like, like a thousand. Every single tweet. Yeah, a thousand tweets of everyone saying like, yeah, just like I guess mourning her. And it was really sad. Yeah, like the first thing I thought to do was like, I'm going to play a song. Just like, I don't know. Um, hmm. I think it was just shocking, right? No one, I mean, like you don't expect anyone to die, but when it's a young artist, it's it's just more shocking, I guess. Yeah, it was a text for me too really. that did it. It like kept me in bed for at least an extra hour, I would say. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll admit like the first thoughts I had were like, overdose because like the i don't know all the language was like so vague at first it really was yeah yeah it's just crazy like it's the type of thing that you try to keep like your brain keeps returning to it to work it out Mm -hmm. and like figure it out but for me at least like i mean not just for me but it just i mean it doesn't make sense like yeah literally so such a random thing to happen you know it's like I saw a lot of people tweet like it just reminds you of how fragile life is. And it's like it's true. You literally like you just never yeah. know. And I feel like even though it's super tragic, I feel like there it is like a she was a, an extremely sort of like poetic way to go, right? Because the story that yeah. people were sharing was that she was on her balcony or like a rooftop. Well, now we're hearing balcony right but at first i feel like to me it sounded like she was on her roof looking at the moon yeah it's like looking at the moon it was like a full moon in leo last night i think and she was like looking at the moon and like i think i mean and i think we both shared that like picture of the moon Mm. and the parthenon or whatever because it is like there's a lot of poetry to that and i'm not i'm obviously not like romanticizing what happened but i'm just saying like it's like the mark of a true artist right that you in life you're like poetic and in death you always like i don't know i think there's something to it and everyone was saying like this moon is now sophie's moon or whatever which i think is true i agree with it being sophie's moon i don't agree with it being poetic but the the first full moon of the year is forever sophie's Sophie's moon moon. yeah what was the first sophie song you ever heard or like remember i think it was lemonade Almost 100% sure that it was that. Smash hit, yeah. I only heard of it, unfortunately, through... I think the Pitchfork review of that was, like, pretty glowing, if I remember correctly. And that's when I got it. I was like, okay, I'll check this out. Oh, it was pretty... Pretty what? Like, pretty good, I think, from what I remember. I I think so, too, yeah. Yeah, because I remember it led me... I know I discovered her music through that specific Pitchfork review. This was, what, 2013, I think? Um, 14. 14. It didn't get best new music. Oh, dang. I don't know why. There was a lot of hype around it, definitely, when it came out. In a way definitely. that it made me think, I was like, okay, I need to give this a try. So I listened to it. And I kind of liked it right off the bat. I think yeah. Bip and Lemonade are accessible enough that you don't have to really like, you don't have to try hard that hard to get into them. No. Super immediate. What about you? What was the first? Yeah, what was the first song you listened to i think it was bip for me yeah um Mm -hmm. sophie had a few songs before that i got into afterwards nothing more to say there's like a dub version and a version with vocals Mm -hmm. which isn't as good as the dub 
so I got into those. Those were kind of like not more vocal, but like simpler electronic songs, right, kind right. of. So I heard those really early, but I think Lemonade, I mean, how can you not pay attention after Lemonade? Right. And Bip. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at the time I had no clue who it was. I assumed it was a man mm-hmm. um, under the name Sophie. So I was part of the kind of eye rolling of, I, I don't know, the identity police mm-hmm. that kind of mm-hmm. was writing think pieces about her back in that year. 14, 15. Yeah, so she, I don't know, she kept releasing singles from Product, what ended up being Product. And I remember in particular one song, I remember listening to it for the first time when mm-hmm. um, when it came out. And that's a song called L-O-V-E. Right. And it's one of the maybe less assuming ones on that project, but it stuck with me ever since. And... For at least a year, part of it was my ringtone. No way. <laughs> on what I believe was a Nokia. I don't think I had an iPhone in 2014. <laughs> but anyways, L-O-V-E is the next song we're going to listen to together. Yeah, that's us
What a crazy song. Yeah, how repellent can you be? No one does it like that. No. I remember hearing it and just thinking, this is not regular. Like, <laughs> like yeah. I remember just like standing still. Because like you're used to the bops, you're used to Pop Sophie, and yeah. then that happens. And it still is Pop Sophie. Like, yeah. half of it's a fucking ringtone. And obviously I used it as a ringtone because it's just so what it's for. But yeah, what a contrast, both in her career and in the song itself. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's just so unique. Like no one, even to this day, no one's doing it like that. It's just like very singular. I think that's the main thing about so, not the main thing, but one of the biggest things about her and her music is that it's just so singular. Like no one's, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people are doing it now because she initiated it. And there's a lot of imitators, but at the time, no one was doing that. And I think that's why everyone had to like stop and pay attention. Right. right? Because like, what is, like, what is this? Like, and at the time it got, it got lumped into the PC music. I mean, and she was part of it, so it makes sense. But it really was what the kids call a cultural reset. And that's the thing about yeah. Sophie. Sophie was a cultural reset that I think our generation didn't have with many other artists. Like the 2010s was so much about recycling other trends. And only mm-hmm. PC Music and AG Cook and Charlie and Sophie were doing shit that was just so unique. And so like we had never heard this, which is why now people just describe them as being the future of pop. But they really yes. are like the 2010s, like the innovators of that decade. Yeah. Yeah. And how many people can create comedy in songs without lyrics? Too? Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like there's a punchline or two in L-O-V-E. Yeah. And I feel the same way about Hard, that song also from Product, mm-hmm. where it's all about like latex gloves, like PVC, I get mm-hmm. so hard. But then she goes... And it's just so hard. Like, <laughs> I try so hard. Like, it just flips on a dime yeah. every time. It's just like, it's truly like cutting comedy. I love that. From Sophie. Yeah. And you don't really think about it, but it just, it's why it connects so quickly, too. Mm-hmm. It's why it's so universal. And like, that's the thing about it. It's universal. And it's, at the end of the day, it is experimental music. It's like, like yeah, it's not Christina Aguilera. But it's also (laughs) accessible in a weird way. And I always say, I feel like I've said this in the past, on the podcast in the past, it's like people who strike a balance between doing something that's innovative, but still something that can reach the masses, that's genius. Like when you do that, that's like actually like, because anyone can do a feels recording and just post that a song (laughs) and be like, this is experimental. But when you're able to create actual melodies with like crazy the classic the classic thing of like pots and pans when you're able to create melodies with pots and pans that's like unique it reminds me of uh this quote that someone posted today she finds experimental music to be exclusive and predictable and then the quote she heard she's saying it's a look it's a sound it's a style it's not actually experimental mainstream music is much more appealing purely because it lives in the lives of so many people it's not exclusive, it's not elitist, and those are the standards that I want to maintain in my music. Wow. Why? Yeah, right? Like, like, like a really cool like ethos for music making. Yeah, and I think it proves too that the allegations of PC music and adjacent acts being ironic were misplaced. Absolutely, yeah. Because even just hearing these two songs that we've played, It's Okay to Cry and Love, 
they're like so they're so earnest like yeah. they're so true i don't know no they are they're really simple but it's a really they're all they just ring real yeah and that's what her music and pc music threw into this array is like this concept that if you're doing pop you're either doing mainstream christian Aguilera pop or you're doing it ironically and they just sort of mm-hmm. like completely got rid of that dual like duality I mean, like you can make pop music that is experimental while not thinking that it's all just a joke yeah yeah totally but sophie apart from making her own music also had a wide reach on like imitators but also collaborators lots of pop stars collaborated with her or like had shit produced by her lady gaga there's a lot of like sophie production that didn't make it into chromatica rihanna mm. too madonna bitch madonna was partly written by sophie so much got scrapped yeah. that picture of rihanna and sophie in the studio i'll never forget it yeah they're reposting it today i saw that a lot but the next song that we're going to listen to is with probably one of her most frequent collaborators, Charlie XCX. Mm-hmm. It's she's. They seemed frequent at one point. It yeah. seemed to fizzle. Yeah. Um, around the time of Number One Angel, mm-hmm. um, all we got on that mixtape was "Roll with Me," which was a highlight. That was Sophie and Charlie. But yeah, this is a scrapped song that we're about to play. It's a big one. This is one of the ones that leaked. I mean, Charlie's hard drive is constantly under attack. We know that. And this is one of the songs that came out mid-last decade Mm -hmm. called I Want to Be With You. I'll never forget it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. This one's going to kill me. I know. It's already been like, oh my God. I know I messed up and I was wrong. I thought it over and over for so long. I know you hate me, but can't you see? I made some changes. I wanna be with you I wanna be with you Oh baby, it's true I wanna be with you I wanna be real I wanna be more I know I must love And this time I'm sure Ooh, I wanna be with you Everything I did makes no sense I was listening to the voices in my head I know it's long gone, but let me try I need you near me, I wanna be with you I wanna be with you Oh baby, it's true I wanna be with you I wanna be real I wanna be more I know I'm a slave And this time I'm sure Ooh I wanna be with you I wanna be with you I wanna be 
Hey Wow again. So this one actually I hadn't I hadn't listened to till just now. Like literally this was the first time I listened to this song. What do you think? Really fucking amazing. I mean, you know I'm like a sucker for like a PC music ballad, which is essentially that. Really, right, really, yeah. really fucking good. So this was for XCX World or what? This was for XCX World, yeah. Sophie had a bunch of credits on that. Mm. And I mean, yeah, once it leaks, I don't know if it was the label to scrap it or Charlie herself, but right. it does seem like after that leaked, Sophie and Charlie stopped working together. Mm. And I don't know why. Yeah, it is true. But yeah, XCX World will always live on as this kind of mythical thing because of songs like this. And at this point, at this point, all of it's leaked. Like it's all available in high quality too. And at this point, the like mythical aspect of it is only going to grow even more. Yeah, it's true. I mean, Sophie sort of changed Charlie's career too, when you think about it, because there's like Charlie pre-vroom vroom and post-vroom vroom. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, Charlie and Sophie was pre-PC music for Charlie, at least. Like Mm -hmm. she only got introduced to PC music post-Charlie. Yeah. Post-Sophie. Post-Sophie, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's a funny little connection there. But it's funny, the last few years of Sophie's kind of presence to me was all leaked songs. Right. And, like, songs she refused to put out. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. Like, in Charlie's case, for XCX World, it's because they all got leaked. But a lot of these Sophie songs have been like live recordings for years. Mm-hmm. And the tragic thing really, one of many, is that she finally released the final song from Product just a couple days ago on the streaming platforms, Unicil. Oh, I don't remember that happening actually. Unicil, know. Unicil. That just came out, but that was like the song that you got if you purchased the dildo version of Product. Oh, right, yeah. And then, of course, the other week we had the remix by Ottecker of Bip. So, like, the, like, twisted thing for me right now is that music was about to come out. Right. Finally. And then, like, she falls off her balcony. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the thing about Sophie, right? It's like, she was very selective about what was actually being released. Yeah. Obviously, I didn't have a personal connection with Sophie, but... I did have like a very, I guess, personal on my end of like her music meant a lot to me. But there's also this like knowledge that I think when you're mourning a celebrity that it's like, oh, right, you can't see their growth. You're no longer going to be able to see what they're going to do next. Mm. And with Sophie, so magnified for me, at least because she really only had one album. She was one of the people that I'm, I was so excited to see what was next. Like I was so excited to see what yeah. she was going to do next, especially now that she had gained so much like acclaim from like the Grammys, he even nominated her for that album. Yeah. Do you have any, like, apart from your first time listening to her, do you have like a very specific memory of like a song or a moment? Did you ever see her live, by the way? I've seen her live three times. Oh, shit, okay. I was reminded today. Right. The first time I saw her live was at the Drake Underground. Mm -hmm. That was 2014. And then I saw her at, I think, Mod Club. And then I saw her... At Velvet, or maybe the last two were flipped. No, Mod Club was the last one. And what were those shows like? I mean, the whole city was there. Yeah, and people didn't like that show. Actually, like oh, soon after that. that show, she canceled the rest of the tour, I believe, mm-hmm. and was like, "I need to, I need to figure out how to make this tour better going forward." 
And I don't know if she had a full tour since that moment. I don't think so. I don't know. So it's almost like with SZA, if you remember, like there was all this press when Control came out about how she didn't even want to release the album. She mm-hmm. was too anxious and like too kind of stuck on it. But she had a really persistent label that kind of got it out of her. True, true. And at this point is like clearly getting her into like the Trolls World Tour soundtrack every other year. <laughs> but it's like, it shows you what happens when you're an artist and you don't have someone like that pushing you to release. True. And that seems to be Sophie. Yeah. You know, for all this stuff to be coming out so late and, you know, I think she, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know her, but I, uh, yeah, I hope she was happy. I guess I'll just say that. Yeah, me too. But I never saw her life. I feel like I am not someone to go to live shows at all, period. So I just didn't. Oh. Um, yeah. But from the videos I've seen, it seemed like those shows were a lot like Charlie XCX's and that people just go nuts, <laughs> especially the gays and everyone in the queer umbrella. People just, like everyone goes to the shows and just go nuts. Like the footage is like insane. It seems insane. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine I being know. in a sweaty room and then a material girls comes on. I'm like, fuck. Oh, wow. <laughs> but like, I, yeah, I don't listen to live music that often. I don't enjoy like crowded rooms, but my yeah. I have a very specific memory of, I was living in Toronto actually when her album came out, which I don't know how to pronounce, so I won't. Oil of the, of every whatever. and i remember specifically walking home from hooking up with a random grinder but it was like a grimy hookup it wasn't anything romantic or sexy it was just like scraping the bottom of the the barrel and you're just going home it's like oh why did i do that that was whack and then infatuation came on and that be after that it became my favorite song because it's like a it's really weird it's like it really builds up it has that sort of like composition where it's like it starts pretty chill and then at the end it just like swelled and it's like whoa. and I remember like I had like I remember, what's like, the lyric in that like what does she scream in it over and over I wanna know I wanna know I wanna know infatuation <laughs> I literally like when that happened they like like started running as I was listening to the song just like something in me I'm very gay in that whenever I listen to music walking on the street I like feel like I'm in a movie you know what I mean yeah, yeah of course yeah. I've, I've definitely started running <laughs> While listening to Sophie too. Yeah, yeah. It's literally like just something fires in your brain yeah. and suddenly you're running. So that was like my memory. Oh my I just like running, feeling like I was in a movie, like running away from like whatever. But yeah, she had like Pony Boy I play on my workout playlist every pretty often actually. Whole new world for me. I was listening really? to that today. I couldn't listen to much until, I don't know, until night fell. I couldn't listen in the morning. I was too upset on edge whatever but whole new world hit completely different today and i really Mm -hmm. i enjoyed it more than ever there's this i'm scrolling through this um jezebel article that someone must have written really quick heron walker i think that's a twitter famous person but i just want to read the first sentence because this is a pretty good description of her music she writes what drew me to sophie's work was at first was it this is this associative effect it would have on me how a maximalist beyond process sound would overwhelm me to the point of overloading i think that's a pretty fair description mm. of her music especially like um shed like pony boy and face shopping yeah that's just like this definitely. yeah this associating like literally if you're walking on the street and you play that you you're just like on your own head you're not yeah, I don't know. Her music has that because it's so inorganic. It's so like, 
I mean, it's like electronic music taken to the extreme. Just There's like nothing in nature sounds like it. So when you listen to her music, you're essentially like going into like a different world. Um, I want to read, I know we've been re- like reading no, that's quotes good, that's a good. lot, but I want to read one yeah, more quote about her, like just her, um, I guess, philosophy when it comes to designing sound as mm-hmm. opposed to using sounds. Mm-hmm. So she says, I'm rather fixated on this idea of a monophonic, elastic, full-frequency range morphing composition. <laughs> the language of electronic music shouldn't still be referencing obsolete instruments like a kick drum or clap. Mm. No one's kicking or clapping. They don't have to. So it makes more sense in my mind to discard those ideas of polyphony and traditional roles of instrumentation. It seems wacky to me that most DAW software is still designed around having drums, bass, mm-hmm. keyboard, vocal presets for production. That's what I find liberating about the mono machine, which is what she uses to right. make sound. It's just waveforms that can be pushed into shapes and materials and sequenced, just like a sculpture machine, not like a computer pretending to be a band from the 70s or whatever. T. That's so T. Yeah, like literally what we were just talking about. It's so T. It's like literally. That's why her music sounds so like alien and so like out of this yeah. world, right? I never thought about oh it in those God. terms because I guess I'm not a music a musician. I don't make music, but totally, yeah. A lot of yeah. electronic music is replicating disco or just like yeah, trying to like mm-hmm. have like organic sounds, instrument sounds. But which is which is which is why she got that unfair treatment of pots and pans. That was such a trope when her album came out, right? Because I guess it is like the source of the sound is like what is like what is that? It's not an instrument that yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's no association, like pre-built association in her mind. So yeah. There's nothing. That is like the mark of a genius. Maybe not, like an innovator at the very least. But yeah. yeah, I'll give it to her for yeah, sure. for sure. I, just sucks. The only other time I felt this way was Amy Winehouse. Oh, too, yeah. Just like cut short. Um, yeah. At least with that, there was like a built-in tragedy ramp up towards that moment, you know? Yeah. Like, for Amy, like, the media failed her. Mm -hmm. But for Sophie, like, you can't blame anyone. Chance. Literally, like, just fucked up luck, which is, like, even harder, I think, to digest. It's, you can't, I can't digest it. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't been able to. Yeah. But I think we'll leave you guys right yeah yeah i think we're gonna play you a little bit more music we'll listen to it with you i'll never get over this next one it's also from product yeah it's a love song it's called just like we never said goodbye we were young and out of control i hadn't seen you since i was about 16 years old What did I say? And your voice exactly the same And it makes me feel, makes me feel Oh, just like you never said goodbye When you spoke to me that way Oh, just like you never said goodbye And it makes me feel, makes me feel We went out the very next day My favorite place 
Girl, in the eyes of my inner child, like a bee. 